Well, it's a few months since I last spoke with Melanie Vaness, the CEO of the Peter Maritzburg Chamber of Business. Those were tough times in July, Mel. Oh, gosh, I don't care to revisit them. Thank you. Yes, they were awful. Absolutely awful. You are having to revisit them at the moment, though, with the, the commission. Who, who is putting together this inquiry? It's a Human Rights Commission. I hope that they'll use the information that they gather to, to take some action, because um, I think this collective non-responsibility is totally unacceptable. Um, you know, it wasn't a little uh, economic glitch. It was a total and utter nightmare, and we've got to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, and those that were complicit in it, they must face the full might of the law. And do they have any teeth to force an action or reaction to what happened? Well, I mean, I think they don't, if, they, if there's a case, they don't hesitate to take action in the interests of, uh, of human rights. Um, that's evident in the action that they took against our municipality uh, regarding our landfill site. Um, they did take that matter to court um, to ensure that something is done and that there's some sort of compliance. So I've been impressed with the action that they have taken. Take us through what your contribution was to the inquiry. In other words, what you told them. I, I got invited to come and testify, and um, and it was a difficult uh, engagement in the sense that I had to revisit all of that in my mind again um, and had to say some things that I'm sure were probably not well received by many people in government services, but it's the truth, and I have a mandate for my members, and I, and I needed to tell that truth. And the truth was that that we found ourselves completely and utterly alone at that time. Um, there was very, very little response in the first couple of days from from SAPS being able to try. We, we try to raise people, people that we work with on a regular basis, couldn't reach people. You've heard subsequently our KZN police commissioner went on paternity leave in the middle of it. We we were unable to get help uh, on the ground, so we battled. We battled for a couple of days completely on our own, and, and that's com- that's unacceptable. I see subsequently there was some testimony um, to say that there wasn't much cooperation from, from the KZN SAP side when, when National came down. So I think there's got to be action taken. It's completely inexcusable that in, in a crisis like this, we find ourselves all alone. The story the public is being told now is that the police in KwaZulu-Natal was uh, overstretched and that they need effectively more resources. So give us more money, we'll have more people, and then should this happen again, we'd be able to handle it differently. Do you buy it? No. Maybe SAPs are under-resourced. Maybe it was unusual circumstances, but we didn't even see those that were on the ground responding. I mean, I don't have to to defend that position. Everybody watched on TV as as SAP stood by and watched people load TVs into the boots of their cars. Um, There were reports from the ground of of SAPs uh, saying to people, go ahead and loot. Um, We're not going to do anything. So we were also told by, by SAPS members that it took everything in them to stand down. They were instructed to stand down. They weren't allowed to respond. And so that, that instruction had to come from somewhere. And we've got these highly paid intelligence units. Why don't they get to the bottom of it? Who, who was behind it? Um, I think the businesses and the communities that live in these areas deserve to know the truth. Why was there such poor response? Why were they instructed to stand down? Why, why did we find ourselves completely alone? Who's actually calling the shots? And you did mention that there wasn't that much support for national. What do you mean by that? When police came in from other parts of the country, were they not being supported by the local KwaZulu-Natal police? Uh, Yes, I saw an interview um, 
the former Minister of Defence saying when the army arrived here, they battled to get cooperation and information about what was happening on the ground. I mean, we were crying out for the army to come and help us for, for days on end, begging for them to come. Um, and when they arrived, you would have thought we would have been waiting with, with open arms to deploy them to the ground. We, we, it took so long to get people on the ground. It was, it was so disturbing. I, it might have felt longer than it, <laughs> than it was because we were in the midst of it, but it was definitely days you know, before we before we saw anything on the ground. And I think at the end of the day, uh, Maritzburg, I think, got 120 soldiers and they were deployed to protect government infrastructure. It's not as if they were deployed on the ground to, to help the private sector. Communities stood together. Communities stood alongside each other and barricaded the path to, to their local supermarkets and things. Private security and community did that. Uh, SAPS came in a couple of days later. Our municipal security, we started having meetings probably on the third day. Um, but in the beginning, you couldn't raise anybody. And it's not as if we don't speak to people on a regular basis. I mean, I speak to the brigadiers. I know who they are in charge of the various police stations locally because when we have crime unfolding, we phone them. I have their cell phone numbers. We weren't able to get a response. When we spoke uh, in the heat of the battle, as it were, in July, you said that the feedback you were getting from business owners who'd had their businesses raised was that they would take the insurance money and not reopen. Have you got an update for us on what's actually happened? Um, there are a number that haven't, um, that there's been no movement on. I think they're still waiting for insurance payouts. Um, some, I understand, like the Edendale Mall will build a smaller version. Others have mitigated their risks, so they've put in some of the lines of their business and moved other operations elsewhere. Some have rebuilt Others that will rebuild will look to rebuild elsewhere in town. So I think you'll find that areas like Edendale that were particularly badly affected, those businesses will relocate elsewhere in the city, which means that all those small businesses that relied on the foot traffic from, from large businesses in the area will suffer. So that's the issue. Some will rebuild like um, Brookside Mall. They rebuild the checkers. They've got a tenant committed to that. Um, but Edendale, um, it's not going to happen. As you drive past, you can still see a lot of the destruction It's as it was then. Has there been a knock-on on property prices or rentals in Peter Maritzburg? If presumably some businesses are, are leaving or won't be going back into business, has that affected property owners? Uh, it hasn't yet. We haven't seen any any massive change to, to the property market yet. On the commercial side, uh, the commercial agents are saying that they uh, – that some of their rentals, they're stepping back. You know, when they've got to do renewals, they're not uh, they're not getting increases. They're actually stepping back. There's a move out of for for businesses out of the centre of town uh, to the neighbouring suburbs, uh, where, where I'm assuming that they they feel it's safer. Um, our, our town centre is abominable. Uh, I don't know how how we'll ever get that um, resurrected again. We're going to try to work with the city to to do some work in the very centre of town to start seeing whether we can't uh, attract people back there. But I don't think you're going to see the kind of confidence that we really need to see the reinvestment in Peter Maritzburg unless we, unless we do what I asked the politicians to do, uh, and that is to stand with me um, and to say that they, they think what happened in July is totally and utterly unacceptable, that they welcome any investment in the city that brings jobs and economic growth, and um, that anybody that was complicit in that must face the full might of the law. To this day, that hasn't happened. And I don't know how you how you inspire confidence 
re-inspire the businesses that were invested here to start off with, uh, give them some sense that if this had happened again, they wouldn't be all alone. And it's also a, a dealing with the trust deficit. There's a massive trust deficit, and understandably so, because we, we have people on you know that work in our factories and on our shop floors, and the feedback that's come back uh, is very disturbing. It's things like our, our politicians, some of them were complicit. Um, so they can't stand up and say that, uh, that the looting was wrong. That at the time in, in community, while they were saying one thing to us, they were saying something else to community. So publicly there needs to be a stand and a statement about this. What do we, as the government of this region, believe about what happened in July? If it ever had to happen again, do we have a, a suitable response in place and what would we do to mitigate it? And how does government feel about the investment that currently is in the city? Because some of the stuff that was sprayed all over those walls, it makes people feel like the investment isn't welcome. And, and that's awful. What kind of business was attracted by Peter Maritzburg? And what kind of a business will be attracted by it in future? Well, I think we, we have a number of advantages as a city um, in terms of our positioning. So we're, we're right alongside the N3 and we're just outside of the Rust Belt. So uh, a lot of metals, um, a lot of metal engineering takes place here because it's close enough to the port, but but not in a space where, where we have the rust issue. Um, so historically, we've had, we've had a lot of metals. We uh, were a large footwear area. Uh, that's been reduced somewhat since we, we opened up in 94. Now competitiveness was a problem, but we still have some, some good uh, leather and footwear factories. Um, we have, um, I think we're a capital city, so one of the things that has grown enormously in the last while is the private healthcare sector, which is, which is really interesting. Um, we did some research on why that was the case, and um, for a number of reasons, we, um, despite what happened in July, we, we live in an incredible area with a, with a lovely lifestyle. It's, um, it's enough city to, to keep one engaged, but there's a whole lot of country as well, and the people are really wonderful. Uh, we're being a capital city. We have um, above average number of people who are in medical aid, so there's a, a ready market, um, a great environment with some of the best schools in the country. I think Peter Maritzburg is really blessed as far as that's concerned with um, the number of private schools in close proximity to the city. So we have top-class education, wonderful lifestyle, fabulous weather, Good positioning along the N3. Uh, it's apart from what happened in July is usually relatively safer than most big centres, and um, it's a wonderful place to raise a family. And if you happen to be in in um, medicine in private healthcare, then you've got a ready market here. Not only in terms of the people that are on medical aid in the area, but we have a large retirement community that lives around the Peter Marisburg area that requires specialist care. Um, and we serve a massive area into northern KZ and into the Drakensberg um, in terms of specialist services. So uh, all our private hospitals expanded. So there's a, there's a lot of growth in that space. Um, we had the development of the Peter Marisburg Eye Hospital. We've had um, the old Royal Hotel turned into a phenomenal step-down facility. So from a healthcare perspective, that is something that's definitely growing. And retail. Retail's grown uh, quite quite significantly in the last while um, because of the wide area that we do serve. So they're clear advantages. Uh, yes, but absolutely. now you have the, you know, hanging over your, your heads, you have um, the non-reaction or the, the, the non-consequences 
of what happened in July when you were pretty much the epicenter of of the rioting. And if you, if I'm hearing you correctly, until that is addressed, you won't have the confidence or that trust deficit you speak about of other businesses coming to take advantage of those advantages. Well, absolutely. And that's very difficult for us to stand up there and say, you know, the first question is, what guarantee do we have that what happened in July isn't going to happen again? Well, I can't give you a guarantee at this point in time. Um, we need our leadership to stand up and say, we are ready. If this had to happen again, we would ensure that, that you will not be alone, um, that we condemn it, that we stand alongside you, that we welcome any investment in the area um, that brings jobs. And, um, and together, government and the private sector have got to take hands in this space. There, there's no two ways about it. Otherwise, you just don't get past it. The voting in Peter Maritzburg, was that reflective of any consequences from the public, at least, to what happened? Yes, I think, I think there, was a, there was a massive reaction from the public. Um, the ANC came in just under 50%, which for this area is absolutely unheard of. Um, so we have the same mayor back again um, and probably a more balanced council than we have had in the past in terms of, uh, of our position voice. Um, we're, we're, as you know, under administration for the second time in 10 years. We're still under administration. So we just hope that um, that, that wake-up call at the, at the polls uh, will see everybody pulling together to get our city right. It's unacceptable. People that live here are passionate about our city. We, we love Peter Maritzburg. We love KwaZulu-Natal. We, we're proud to be the capital, but a capital shouldn't look like this. Um, a capital should, uh, should be a reflection of, of the whole province, and uh, we are going to have to work very hard, um, and we're going to have to work together if we want to see things change. And the fact that right on your northern border, you now have the DA's first council that they have a majority in in KwaZulu-Natal, might that also be a wake-up call perhaps for politicians who... Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, I, I really do hope that that the politicians take heed of what happened at the polls. Um, and I certainly hope that um, the new a new broom um, makes a difference. Unfortunately, Amgeni is a, r- a rather complicated municipality in the sense that rates are paid by ratepayers of Amgeni to Amgeni. Um, so there's an opportunity to fix roads and things which are in, in a shocking state. But water services are still supplied by Umgungunglobu District Municipality um, and uh, electricity by Mzunduzi. So um, I think in terms of an ability to make a massive difference, um, off a very low base so I don't think it'll be necessarily that hard but I think we've got to be realistic as well in terms of uh, the fact that Amgeni is is a complicated municipality. And the new mayor is saying that he is going to try to attract businesses to that area which is Howick, uh, Nottingham Road, uh, Ligerton etc that part of the Midlands. Given that the, the the issues that you're facing in Peter Maritzburg do you think you'll have much success uh, in doing that? Well, I mean, I certainly hope that he will, um, and we'll we'll support him. We are the Peter Marisburg and Midlands Chamber of Business, and we do want to see the area grow. Um, so I like his energy and his positivity, and he's got a young, uh, vibrant team. So we wish him everything of the best in his endeavours, and, uh, and absolutely we'll support them. We'll support anybody um, that is uh, willing to uh, – 
take the gloves off and go out there and and win some investment. So yeah, it's it's going to take that that sort of passion and energy. So we wish them every every bit of luck, and we'll give them support. <laughs>